Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray for Chris as he comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Father, thank you that it is a light unto our feet. And we pray, Lord God, that you bless Chris and give him revelation as he speaks to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Men Life. It is really great to be back in the building for the first time this year, which is pretty crazy. Um, and it's also so good for those who are going to be watching online later. It's really great to see you. If you don't know me, my name's Chris. I coordinate all things um, kids ministry, youth ministry, scripture here at church. And I'm just really excited to celebrate our school starters. Um, we had a bunch who weren't able to make it today, either they're still on holidays or those sorts of things, but we've got lots of kids going into kindy, lots of kids starting year seven. We know that can be a really exciting time for some kids and can be really scary, so we are really excited to pray and partner with them. And of course, two weeks ago online, we had Peter Brooks share about what God might want for, what might want for us in 2022. What, what does he want to do in us? In this year and last week we had Tim telling us about the principle the biblical principle of sowing and reaping and so I was kind of thinking along this sort of New Year's theme and I saw a great article in the Guardian called hundred ways to slightly improve your life without really trying which is kind of what you want for a New Year's goal and so I wanted to share a few of my favorites the first one is exercise on a Monday night because nothing ever happens on a Monday night the second one is if you're on the fence about a purchase, wait 72 hours 
before purchasing. I know that's a pretty hard one. This is a fun one. Send a voice note instead of a text because it's like a personal mini podcast to your friend or relative. Another one was always bring ice to house parties, especially in summer. There will never ever be enough ice. This one's pretty practical. Buy a cheap blender and just use it to chop onions. It saves you time and tears. And the final one is don't be weird about how to stack the dishwasher. If you're blessed to have a dishwasher, don't be weird about stacking it. Just be blessed with it. Now, I don't know if these were really amusing or helpful, but it's 23 days into the new year. You might be sick of hearing about self-improvement or goals. Um, you might have lost them all already. The thing is, the world is full of these tips about improving your life and these quick fix schemes, and most of these fail to do the trick. I often find myself already falling back into the old habits that I wanted to change in 2022. So that led me to see what the Bible says about improving your life. In fact, it's such a really worldly term, improving. What I might suggest is that in 2022, the best we can aim to do is to be growing. Growing to be more and more like Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. The world suggests that we can improve our life by works. However, we're going to see that true growth comes when we partner with the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Tim has already read the passage, Colossians 3. In this passage, Paul talks about some new spiritual clothing that we can put on every day that will lead to our growth in the Lord. And this is not just for us growing individually, but these are our new communal values as a community. Things that express themselves in the context of community. It's how we do life together. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm not really a clothes person. This is probably the most I've dressed up in a few months, and that's because of lockdown and things. But, you know, I usually go for plain colored t-shirts of different colors with no logos or anything that's really easy to pair with jeans or shorts depending on the season, and then I don't have to think about it anymore. And maybe you're really practical like me, maybe you're a fashionista, but I think I know enough about clothes that to understand its importance in the world today. I'm a new parent and most of our day is thinking about if we go outside, what clothes do we need to dress our baby in? What clothes um, do they need to be in while they're asleep? Is it too, are they too hot? Are they too cold? People, if you're going to a job interview, you don't usually, unless it's probably some really weird lifeguard role, you don't show up in singlets and sandals. Instead, you dress in formal business attire that's appropriate for the job you're going for. We dress in the right clothes for the weather. We wear black when mourning a loved one. Sportsmen and women wear uniforms to represent their country or their city or their state in whatever sport they're playing. And today's passage focuses on new spiritual clothes, a brand new wardrobe for Christians to wear to represent Jesus Christ wherever they go. So, as you heard, we're in Colossians, and Colossians is structured a lot like Ephesians. If you remember, you must remember our big Ephesians series last year, you would know that Ephesians and Colossians are quite similar structured. The first half of Ephesians and Colossians is all about what God has done for us, and the second half is how do we then respond to what God has done in our practical daily life. And so, remember that Paul was writing to a group of newly joined people. For years and years, the Jews and Gentiles were separated by the fact that the Gentiles had no access to Jesus Christ. And now because of what Jesus had done, they were all integrated in unity into one family. And so what Paul is writing is super practical for how do we figure this out now that we're doing life together 
and church together in community. And I'm going to keep repeating it over and over that it's great to grow individually, but Paul's focus isn't on how we grow on our own, but rather how we express God's love and become like Jesus in the context of community and relationships. This Christian life isn't really meant to be done alone. So in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul makes it very clear that since Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, Christians are given a new life, a new self. We have promises about our position and identity in Christ. And we have spiritual clothes that actually match our new standing in Jesus. He indicates that we no longer should keep on the old, filthy, sinful clothes that we were in for so long that represent our old self, but rather leave them in the past and leave it with the former life we had before Christ. So we're focusing today on Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. So I'm going to quickly read it again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, this is something that you could realistically memorize in 2022. And these three verses are as good as any New Year's resolution that you may have kept or left behind this year. What if by the end of the year, someone could look at you and say that you are clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Wouldn't it be great if you could be more forgiving by the end of the year, if you were more loving to your friends and family and community? So we're going to tackle this in three sections. The first, the call to put on new spiritual clothes. Secondly, the reason why we put on these new spiritual clothes. And finally, the manner or how we are meant to put on these spiritual clothes. So let's look at the call. I'm going to quickly reread that bit of the verse. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a, has agreements against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now just think about that. And can I have a show of hands? Is there anyone in the room who would not like to have some more of these qualities by the end of 2022? I didn't think so. Luke, I was half a hand, but I expected it. We needed, one, we needed the humour in the room. Um, like I said, we can't really do this on our own strength. We can try and we can try to attain to the measure of what Christ wants for us in our life, but without the work of the Holy Spirit, it just doesn't go that well. And it's not that we're stuck on our own. It's not like we get to sit on the couch and let the Holy Spirit do all of the work as well. In fact, it's an active partnership where you are both working together on what qualities you choose to put on every day. We have a choice in that with the help of the Holy Spirit. And you may be familiar with the armour of God passage in Ephesians 6. And what's interesting is the word for put on the armour of God is the same word as in clothe yourself. And there's that implication that as you put on your armour and as you put on these new spiritual clothes, there is an active role you're taking in partnership with the Holy Spirit to put on these new spiritual clothes every day. And we put on clothes every day. The other implication that this is a daily practice. Just like when we put on our clothes every morning to get ready, we, have an, we can be putting on the spiritual clothes and the armour of God that God has for us. And I think that's, for me, if I did that every day, I think it would pretty radically change my life and relationships um, before, you know, and most of the time you get to the afternoon and you've gone, wow, 
what has happened in my day? And that's been a big takeaway for me. How can I put this on every single day? So, let's go through all of these different um, clothing items. The first one is compassion. And compassion is one of the many qualities that Jesus exemplified when he was on earth. When Jesus heals a leper in Mark 1.41, Jesus was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. Before Jesus fed the 5,000, he was moved with compassion on the multitude because they had continued with him three days and had nothing to eat. In Greek, the word literally means a deep gut feeling. And I'm sure you all know what that is like when you see someone in need, when you see someone struggles to be moved to do something about it deep in your gut. Compassion moves Christians to do God's will on earth. If it's God's will to heal the sick and to comfort those who are mourning, to love the unlovable and take care of the needy, then compassion is first needed to spur us into doing these godly actions. So, are you compassionate? Do you have a deep gut feeling when you see someone in need and you feel like you've been called into action when you see injustice? Or is your heart hardened and dull to the injustice and struggle you see around you? Maybe we can ask God for his compassion this morning. The second one is kindness. Kindness is one one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And we can show kindness to other people because God first showed kindness to us. While we were still sinners, God sent his son Jesus to live on earth, die on the cross, rise again and give us a new life, a new relationship with God for eternity. And it's no no kindness a human has ever given to another human. It's the ultimate example of kindness. And this is a gentle word. A kind person tends to reach out to others, offering some sort of support, a kind word or a text message, a call, a gift of food or money. This act of kindness is the natural outgrowth of a heart of compassion. As a community, for example, when someone has a baby at church, we send them meals. We get around that family because the first weeks of having a new baby, as I very well know, are really tough. And so that's a really great way that people in our church show compassion and kindness to those having a child. So you might have seen many examples in this community of kindness and We've got to have like our eyes on to see through the lens of compassion what can be done. So do you show kindness? And how can you put on kindness every day this year? The third one is humility. And humility can be seen as lowliness. So lowliness, being low, is not often seen as a value. In the world, people prize observativeness, climbing the ladder in social rings or in the workplace. However, as Christians, we're called to emulate Christ, who was, again, the ultimate model of humility. He, existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That's Philippians 2, 6-8. There's a great C.S. Lewis quote, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's when we start to actually think of others above ourselves that humility to come into our life and we lose the pride that the world so often wants to puff up in us. So are you full of pride or do you put others ahead of yourself? Gentleness. Another word for gentleness is meekness. And in the world, that is a bad word. They say meekness equals weakness. But in the biblical definition of the word gentleness or meekness, it means strength under control. 
So it's the assured strength of someone in control of their own actions and able to use them appropriately. Rash, impulsive decisions don't often lead to the best choices. I know that's true in my life and I'm pretty sure it's true in most of our lives. When we surrender to God's will for our life, we can be like Jesus, who is able to use his strength when necessary, but also equally ready to restrain it when appropriate. And I like this definition. We be gentle in relationships and firm in our convictions. So are you self-controlled? Would someone describe you as gentle? God has given you good gifts and strengths, and can you use God Ask God for his strength in holding to his truth in conviction, but gentleness in your relationship with others. Then we put on patience. And another word for patience that I like is steadfastness. And I really like that word because it speaks to what patience really means. Standing firm against adversity without quitting. It means enduring opposition. And we often think of patience in the classic don't preach about patience because you're going to get tested about patience, you're going to get stuck in traffic, you're going to get stuck at the supermarket. But patience is more than that. It's truly resting in the knowledge that God has everything under his control and in his timing and moving our life in line with God's will for us. If we have God's peace in our hearts, we actually have patience. So would you describe yourself as a patient person? Do you find yourself frustrated when things aren't going your way? How do you ask God for his peace and rest and patience in being steadfast against opposition and all the things that are thrown against you in life? Then it says to bear with each other. In life, you might not be friends with everyone. There will be people who annoy you probably a lot and get on your nerves. And this happens in church. But Paul makes it very clear in verse 11 of this passage that there is no longer Jew, Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And if we were to translate that into modern terms, it basically means throw off everything that you used to differentiate yourself to other people. You live here, you live here, you're this gender, you're that. Cast it all aside, socioeconomic status. Our unity is just in Jesus Christ, nothing else. And so when that happens, we are then called to show the dignity to bear with each other. I have loved the idea that if you're having your worst day or you see someone having a rough day, thinking about what it might actually be like to be in their feet and giving them extra grace and love. And that's what bearing with each other does. It's actually showing people the grace that you would like to receive when you're having a bad day. It could be showing restraint or having patience, giving people second chances and being quick to forgive. And on to forgiveness we go. The most important thing in this passage is it says that we forgive because God forgave us first. Think about everything that God has forgiven you of. All of your past sin, all of the sin to come, of the whole entire world. Jesus died and rose and forgives us all for that sin. So we are called to show the same forgiveness to those around us. In fact, in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus the same question. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus responds, I don't tell you seven times, but 70 times seven. Forgiveness may not lead to reconciliation between you and that person. Forgiveness doesn't mean ignoring abuse or destructive behaviours. 
But when you forgive, you give the right of justice back to God, releasing that person from your own wrath, while also taking the barb and the sting, the pain of all that has been done to you out of your heart and allowing God to heal it. Forgiveness is crucial in Christian community. Without it, we become bitter and hateful and foul, and it just becomes a pretty horrid community. So, I'll say it again. What we notice about every single aspect of these clothing is it's meant to be done in community. This William Barclay quote says it best. It's most significant to note that every one of the graces listed in this passage has to do with personal relationships between people. There is no mention of virtues like efficiency or cleverness or diligence or industry. Not that these things are unimportant, but the great basic Christian virtues are those which govern human relationships. If everyone in our church put on these clothes, our community would thrive and be a light to the world. I think we do a pretty good job already, but what a great call to keep growing in what God has for us. It's also important to know that these are doing words. You can't really show forgiveness to no one. If you're just on your own, you can't really show forgiveness to yourself. If you do a kind thing for yourself, it's more like self-care. It's not really kindness. If you see that all of these things require other people to be in the room, it requires you to be in community. So what I'm saying is that these clothes help you shift the focus off yourself and what I can get and what do I want and how can I get the best out of this situation and moves us to think about how we can best serve those around us. In Galatians 5, it says, But through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. So how do we make this a practice in 2022, manly life? Can we wake up and clothe ourselves with these things? What would that look like for you? What would change in your life if you started doing this? So we've had a look at all the clothes, now let's go back to the beginning of verse 12 and have a look at the reason. So the start of the passage says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. It all goes back to what Paul has been saying in chapter 3. The reason why we do this is because we were once stuck in our old sinful ways. Our old sinful self has no capacity to make ourselves holy. But now we are in Christ and have been given all of these things we have to throw off the old self and start living in the new self. It is because of our position in Christ that we have these new spiritual clothes to wear. We did nothing to earn any of these things, but we, the one thing we're called to do is to leave all of that behind. Leave all the old sin that was mentioned in that passage and put on the new clothes. So there's three things in that little beginning of the verse that talks about our identity and position in Jesus Christ. The first is that we are God's chosen people. This phrase reminds us of the promises made all the way back in Genesis to Abraham at the beginning of the Bible, that the descendants of Abraham would outnumber the stars in the sky and that they would be God's chosen people. And of course, this was written to Jews and Gentiles who were now included in that same promise. God has chosen you in that same way. And I know that it feels good to be chosen. When God chooses us, it means that we have some sort of purpose and some mission to play on earth. So don't forget that you are chosen, that you have a purpose and a mission and a part to play in God's plan here on earth. And let's not waste that by living in the old self. The second part is that we are holy. 
And in the context of the passage, holy can mean two things. Firstly, it can mean being set apart. God's chosen people, you and me, are holy because God has called us and set us apart. Let's look at that word. What does set apart mean? It means that we are separate from the world that we live in. Of course, we must physically live here on earth, but we are filled with holy purpose to fulfill God's plan for the whole world to know his love. Being set apart means we are reserved for a single purpose. Just like a toothbrush is used just for one person's teeth and not for cleaning the floor, we are reserved for God's purpose and plans and not for our old ways. Don't forget that you are set apart. The other meaning of holy is being sinless. And I know that that rules me out already. But of course, this sinless holiness doesn't come from our own actions, but through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who calls us righteous, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done on the cross. So don't forget what Jesus did for you and me. Finally, it says that we are dearly loved. And some versions of the word use the word beloved, which I think sums up what this word means. It's literally impossible to give any proper words that can measure how much God loves us. You are his treasure, the apple of his eye. You are so, so precious in the eyes of God. I want to share my favourite verse, Romans 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the truth is, is that this is my favourite verse because sometimes I struggle to remember how much God loves me. Growing up, my faith was very based on my works. If I felt like I was doing well, then I would start feeling loved. If I was struggling and not doing well, I would feel like that love would go away. And I would get myself caught up in negative self-talk and really get mad at myself that I was falling back into sin in my old ways and I'd forget how much God loves me. But maybe you're like me. Maybe all you need today is a touch of God's abounding love. And don't forget how incredibly you are loved. I want to share this quote from Max Lucado. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And that quote really is a summary of all that we're talking about today. Because of what Jesus has done, he has given us these new spiritual clothes, this new spiritual wardrobe to release us from these old ways and help us to become more like Jesus. But there is one thing left, the outer garment which binds everything together, the final piece of the puzzle, and that is the manner or the way in which we put on this new wardrobe. Let's read verse 14. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It always comes back to love. Love expressed in community is the highest virtue. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. The Greek word Paul uses here is agape, which is this love that is purely a giving love. It doesn't mean you give out and you receive exactly the same amount of love back. It's just a call to keep giving and giving and giving love over and over and over. Remember what Jesus says. 
That loving God and loving your neighbour as yourself is the fulfilment of all the law. Finally, let's remember this. We aren't alone. We aren't stuck trying to do these things on our own and failing again. Of course, we have our church community, but we also have the Holy Spirit who promises to help us, transforming us from the inside as we grow. Yes, we will make mistakes and stuff up sometimes, but we fall back into God's unending grace and forgiveness. So, manly life. You are chosen by God. You are holy, set apart for a holy purpose and made righteous in Jesus Christ. You are deeply and eternally loved. So throw off the old self, the sin that entangles, and instead clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So what will our church look like if we did this in 2022? And will you ask the Holy Spirit to help you do this this year?